episode 47. I have great pleasure in welcoming you all to Hogwarts. I hope and trust that your stay here will be both comfortable and enjoyable. One of the Beaubaton's girls, still clutching a muffler around her head, gave what was unmistakably a derisive laugh. No, what's making you stay, Hermione whispered, bristling at her. The tournament will be officially opened at the end of the feast, said Dumbledore. I now invite you all to eat, drink, and make yourselves at home. He sat down, and Harry saw Karkaroff lean forward at once and engage him in conversation. The dishes in front of them filled with food as usual. The house elves in the kitchen seemed to have pulled out all the stops. There was a greater variety of dishes in front of them than Harry had ever seen, including several that were definitely foreign. What's that? said Ron, pointing at a large dish of some sort of shellfish stew that stood beside a large steak and kidney pudding. Bouillabaisse, said Hermione. Bless you, said Ron. It's French, said Hermione. I had it on holiday, summer before last. It's very nice. I'll take your word for it, said Ron, helping himself to black pudding. The Great Hall seemed somehow much more crowded than usual, even though there were barely twenty additional students there. Perhaps it was because their differently colored uniforms stood out so clearly against the black of the Hogwarts robes. Now that they had removed their furs, the Durmstrang students were revealed to be wearing robes of a deep blood red. Hagrid sidled into the hall through a door behind the staff table twenty minutes after the start of the feast. He slid into his seat at the end and waved at Harry, Ron, and Hermione with a very heavily bandaged hand. Scrooge doing all right, Hagrid? Harry called. Thriving! Hagrid called back happily. Yeah, I'll just bet they are, said Ron quietly. Looks like they've finally found food they like, doesn't it? Hagrid's fingers. At that moment, a voice said, Excuse me, are you wanting the beer It was the girl from Beaubetons who had laughed during Dumbledore's speech. She had finally removed her muffler. A long sheet of silvery blonde hair fell almost to her waist. She had large, deep blue eyes and very white, even teeth. Ron went purple. He stared up at her, opening his mouth to reply, but nothing came out except a faint gurgling noise. Yeah, have it, said Harry, pushing the dish toward the girl. You have finished, is it? Yeah, Ron said breathlessly. Yeah, it was excellent. The girl picked up the dish and carried it carefully off to the Ravenclaw table. Ron was still goggling at the girl as though he had never seen one before. Harry started to laugh. The sound seemed to jog Ron back to his senses. She's a vela, he said hoarsely to Harry. Of course she isn't, said Hermione tartly. I don't see anyone else gaping at her like an idiot. But she wasn't entirely right about that. 
As the girl crossed the hall, many boys' heads turned, and some of them seemed to have become temporarily speechless, just like Ron. I'm telling you, that's not a normal girl, said Ron, leaning sideways so he could keep a clear view of her. They don't make them like that at Hogwarts. They make them okay at Hogwarts, said Harry, without thinking. Cho Chang happened to be sitting only a few places away from the girl with the silvery hair. When you've both put your eyes back in, said Hermione briskly, you'll be able to see who's just arrived. She was pointing up at the staff table. The two remaining empty seats had been filled. Ludo Bagman was now sitting on Professor Karkaroff's other side, while Mr. Crouch, Percy's boss, was next to Madame Maxime. What are they doing here, said Harry in surprise. Well, they organized the Triwizard Tournament, didn't they? said Hermione. I suppose they want to be here to see it start. When the second course arrived, they noticed a number of unfamiliar puddings, too. Ron examined an odd sort of pale blancmange closely, then moved it carefully a few inches to his right so that it could be clearly visible from the Ravenclaw table. The girl who looked like Avila appeared to have eaten enough, however, and did not come over to get it. Once the golden plates had been wiped clean, Dumbledore stood up again. A pleasant sort of tension seemed to fill the hall now. Harry felt a slight thrill of excitement, wondering what was coming. Several seats along from them, Fred and George were leaning forward, staring at Dumbledore with great concentration. The moment has come, said Dumbledore, smiling around at the sea of upturned faces. The Triwizard Tournament is about to start. I would like to say a few words of explanation before we bring in the casket. The what? Harry muttered. Ron shrugged. Just to clarify the procedure which we will be following this year. But firstly, let me introduce, for those who do not know them, Mr. Bartimius Crouch, head of the Department of International Magical Cooperation. There was a smattering of polite applause. And Mr. Ludo Bagman, head of the Department of Magical Games and Sports. There was a much louder round of applause for Bagman than for Crouch, perhaps because of his fame as a beater or simply because he looked so much more likable. He acknowledged it with a jovial wave of his hand. Bartimius Crouch did not smile or wave when his name was announced. Remembering him in his neat suit at the Quidditch World Cup, Harry thought he looked strange in wizard's robes. His toothbrush, mustache, and severe parting looked very odd next to Dumbledore's long white hair and beard. Mr. Bagman and Mr. Crouch have worked tirelessly over the last few months on the arrangements for the Triwizard Tournament, Dumbledore continued, and they will be joining myself, Professor Karkaroff, and Madame Maxime on the panel which will judge the champion's efforts. At the mention of the word champions, the attentiveness of the listening students seemed to sharpen. Perhaps Dumbledore had noticed their sudden stillness, for he smiled as he said, The casket, then, if you please, Mr. Filch. 
Filch, who had been lurking unnoticed in a far corner of the hall, now approached Dumbledore, carrying a great wooden chest encrusted with jewels. It looked extremely old. A murmur of excited interest rose from the watching students. Dennis Creevy actually stood on his chair to see it properly, but being so tiny, his head hardly rose above anyone else's. The instructions for the tasks the champions will face this year have already been examined by Mr. Crouch and Mr. Bagman, said Dumbledore, as Filch placed the chest carefully on the table before him, and they have made the necessary arrangements for each challenge. There will be three tasks spaced throughout the school year, and they will test the champions in many different ways, their magical prowess, their daring, their powers of deduction, and, of course, their ability to cope with danger. At this last word, the hall was filled with a silence so absolute that nobody seemed to be breathing. As you know, three champions compete in the tournament, Dumbledore went on calmly, one from each of the participating schools. They will be marked on how well they perform each of the tournament tasks, and the champion with the highest total after task three will win the Triwizard Cup. The champions will be chosen by an impartial selector, the Goblet of Fire. Dumbledore now took out his wand, tapped three times upon the top of the casket, the lid slowly creaked open. Dumbledore reached inside of it and pulled out a large, roughly hewn wooden cup. It would have been entirely unremarkable had it not been filled to the brim with dancing blue-white flame. 